and I'm going to show whatever it is that's happening in my studio. And if what's happening in your studio is nothing, and actually you're curled up in the fetal position on the sofa um, because you can't do anything because you're totally stuck and I've been there, then that's what you put in your blog. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 59 of Art Juice. Now normally at this point I would say this is honest, generous and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and get you thinking. But the word conversations doesn't apply today because unfortunately you just get me today. And for that I am truly sorry. So I've had internet problems over the last few weeks probably and it's been getting worse and we now have complaints into the company that provides our internet in this rural village where I live and they say they're working to sort it out but what happened yesterday on our regularly scheduled Thursday recording session was that we just couldn't do it because we kept cutting out on my end so we had we maybe 45-50 minutes of trying to make it work and it just wasn't going to happen. And Alice has a big event coming up. She is at an art fair in a couple of weeks and she hasn't quite finished the paintings yet. So she needs time to paint. Today and Saturday and Sunday, you'll be listening to this on Tuesday, but we always record a few days before. So I said I would do this on my own. And I've never done anything like this before, so please be kind, and I try not to be boring. But I thought most of the kind of topics we talk about are things that really do require a conversation. What if I did something that was a little bit more tips and advice, and that doesn't so much require a conversation? And last week we talked about comfort zones, and so I decided to scurry as quickly as I can back to my own personal comfort zone, and talk to you about internet marketing for artists. More specifically, I want to talk to you about content marketing for artists. Now, some of you know I come at this whole idea of marketing from a little bit of a different background than most artists, in the sense that for many years I worked in corporate America, I used to live in America, and then started my own business in 2002, I want to say, or maybe 2003. And uh, when I started that business, started it with my husband, we, and many of you will know this feeling, we came up with the business name, we made a website, a lovely website, and then we sat back and went, oh, how is anybody going to find this website? And at that point, I dived into trying to learn about marketing. And so that's where my background in this comes from, from years of building a small business using internet marketing tactics. So what is content marketing? So to go back to pre-internet days, which most of us remember, so pre-internet days were days when you wanted to learn about something, you went to the library, you put in an order for a book, you waited six weeks before the book came in, and then you took it home and read about what you wanted to learn about. The days when you had to stand at your phone table in your hallway to make a phone call. The days when you waited all week to watch an episode of your favourite show. Those days, remember those days? Most of you do. If you don't remember those days, you're so lucky. Anyway, I started my business right at the beginning of when internet was really becoming something that was accessible to everybody. And there were certain people around that time who were offering free help. And I didn't even think of that as marketing at the time, although obviously it was. 
There was Seth Godin, who was a marketing guru, who had a blog, which he wrote every day, and he still does. He has never missed a day, I don't think, since those days. And I went to actually see him speak about internet marketing, and he basically pretty much invented the idea of email marketing. He wrote a book called Permission Marketing back in the day, and that was the idea that Instead of marketing with TV adverts and radio adverts and billboards to people, you should get permission from them to communicate personally with them into your into their inbox. And so he was a key player in the invention of internet of email marketing. There was also Gary Vaynerchuk, who at the time was a 28-year-old running his father's wine business in New Jersey but who figured out a way to use YouTube and Twitter to grow that business from $3 million to, I think, about $60 million in the end. And then he began to give out free advice to other people about marketing, and I really took his advice. And then there was a guy called Brian Clark from a website called Copyblogger, and that still exists today. He was a copywriter who also figured out ways to sell to people via providing content on the internet and the one thing that all these people had in common they were all very different people with very different ways of saying what they were saying but they were all basically saying the same thing which was give value to people without asking for anything back and that's the best way to actually get something back and all of them shared this in a way that was you don't know they used to say you don't know what the end result's going to be just give just make people know who you are and give and everything else will become clear as you go. And so I've brought that into now my new art business. I've brought it into the way I sell my paintings and I've brought it into the way that I sell my courses. And I thought that it would be really helpful to go through some tips, some of my tips for that. Because I think that as artists, so many people I talk to say, oh, I love making my paintings, but I just hate marketing. And I think that's such a shame because marketing, when it's approached in the right way, it's a, a really rewarding thing to do. And it's a very creative thing to do. So if you approach marketing from the idea of, right, I've made 15 paintings and now I need to go and sell them to someone, that's not a very rewarding thing. Um, that's a kind of, ooh, I have to go ask people to buy my paintings. That feels awful to me too. But if you approach it from the standpoint of, there are all these people out there in the world who might be interested in what I'm making. How can I creatively find them? And how can I do something which adds value to their life, which makes their life just a little bit better in some way, and which is fun for me to do? Then marketing's not a bad thing. And then in the course of getting to know them and letting them get to know me, they will naturally, if they love my paintings, want to buy them. So that's the approach that I take to marketing. I think marketing is simply telling your story to people who would love to hear it, then letting them make a decision about whether they want to buy what you have to offer. And this is where content marketing is so valuable. So marketing can be PR, getting in the local press, it can be advertising, but content marketing is basically the idea of giving away something for free 
giving valuable information to people who want to receive it so that they get to know who you are, choose to follow you or choose to receive your emails and then at some point in the future some of them will turn into customers. So this podcast isn't going to be like a comprehensive lesson in how to market on the internet using content but I have thought about some key points and I'm just going to go through those key points one by one and just chat to you about them and maybe some of them will really resonate and help. So what kind of content will you create? That is totally up to you and it's totally individual. You do not have to do all the things. So we now are inundated with options. We have YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Vimeo and TikTok and LinkedIn and on and on and on. And you cannot be on all those platforms and still paint paintings. So when I do my content marketing, I've chosen a few platforms to really focus on. Initially, I focused almost entirely on Facebook and Instagram, and the content that I created initially was all on my blog. That's because I like to write. I find writing easy. It just happens to come easily to me, and I did not find talking on a podcast or audio or video easy at all, and so I steered away from those. So I wrote my blog, which I found easy and something I could do in my introverted way on my own. And then I shared what I'd written on Facebook and Instagram. And I also used Instagram and Facebook to show photos of what I was working on. And that's all I did. Recently, I branched out more in the last year or two and begun to use YouTube as well. Um, And I have some help, so it makes it easier But I still am not on all the platforms. I don't have an artist profile on LinkedIn yet, although I would like to have one. I'm not on TikTok yet, although I might be interested. Um, So I don't do all of them. I just pick the ones I think suit me. And I think that's my most important first point is choose what feels the best for you. So if you feel best sitting down and writing, then blogging, and having a newsletter might be the best thing for you. But if you absolutely hate writing, if you sit down and you just get completely blocked, what about making videos? And if you don't like being on camera, don't just rule that out because you can make videos that don't even have you on camera. What about doing a weekly studio update where you just film, you turn the camera away from yourself, you film what you're working on and you describe it. And then you put it on one of those platforms and share it out to the world. If you don't like doing that, what about if you just say, you know, because I don't really like writing blog posts and I don't really like videoing. I'm going to go all in on Instagram and I'm going to learn all about how to use Instagram and take good photos and write nice little captions on them and follow people and just build up an audience that way. And this is not a lesson on how to use any of these platforms, and I'm certainly not an expert in any of them, but there's lots and lots of free information on any platform that you choose to focus on. You can find free videos on YouTube, free podcasts, free blog posts. You can find all the information that you need on how to use the one you choose. Let's say you don't like writing anything well, why don't you go big on Pinterest? You don't have to write anything, say anything, be videoed on Pinterest. 
it's all about choosing how do I, where do I feel best? And then, and what do I feel best doing? And then that's your strategy for content marketing. You don't have to do everything that everybody else is doing. You just have to do what feels good. So that's tip number one. Choose what feels best to you. Tip number two is tell a consistent story. What do I mean by that? So your art is about something. It, you make it for a reason. It says something. It speaks to you about something. So if we take my example, I, at the moment, am working on a series of paintings inspired by the poetry of Ted Hughes, as many of you know. I'm not ready to try and market these paintings yet because they're nowhere near finished and they have just a whole series of started paintings. But when I get to the point where I want to market them, there's a story, there are several stories to be told here. There's the story of the landscape that he writes about and that I'm painting, what that is, what it meant to him and what it meant to me. There's the story of him and his poetry, what that means to me, why I'm even inspired by it, why I even want to paint it. And there will be people that in those two separate stories, it feels to me like there'll be two separate audiences there. People who love the poetry of Ted Hughes and people who love this landscape. And then there'll be people who like the kind of colours that I use. So I could choose my story to be about colour. I could say, I just love colour and the way colours work together. And my work's an exploration of that. But whatever it is, you pick the story that you want to tell. Once you know that, then it kind of gives you a way in to create the content. So if I know that I want to attract an audience, for example, of people who like Ted Hughes' poetry, and it gives me an idea of what kind of blog posts or videos I might make, and then where I might do outreach to try and find people who are interested. So I have no doubt I could find Facebook groups of Ted Hughes fans and I could join those Facebook groups and I could join in the conversation and eventually I could share my paintings. And this is, you know, I think this is key. You don't have to know what your story is right away. So don't let that stop you from just doing stuff. But the sooner you get clear about what it is that you want to say on these platforms is exactly like painting. As soon as you get clear that you're the painting you're working on is about the colour violet and that you really want to make violet look as good as possible. Or that the painting that you're working on is about shapes and the subtle interplay of these different shapes. Or that the painting that you're working on is a still life and you want the focal point to be the green apple in the middle. As soon as you get clear on what you want to say, everything else falls more into place and it's exactly the same with marketing. So what is your story? What are you doing with your art? Keep that as the focus of the content that you create and it makes everything much easier. And so what that might look like on Pinterest, for example, is let's take me, for example. So um, my work is about this particular area and the landscape around here and the Yorkshire Moors. So maybe on Pinterest, I have one board which is photographs of this landscape that I like Maybe I have one board which is snippets of uh, excerpts from Ted Hughes poems. I don't know if I could find those on Pinterest, but maybe I could. Maybe I have one board which is landscape paintings that inspire me, that have that particular feeling that I'm trying to get into my work. So if I'm doing it on Pinterest, that's how I would do it. If I'm doing it on Instagram, I would 
and this is one of the tactics that I have started to use, but I honestly am great at telling you and not so good at doing. But the ideal way to do this on Instagram is so some of my feet, some of my pictures would be photographs of the landscape with a description, a quick short post about why that I took that photograph, what it is that's inspiring to me, and maybe how I might use it in my paintings if I know that. Some of my pictures would be work in progress and describing, you know, I'm struggling to get this feeling of wind into this painting or I'm really trying to work on ideas for how to get a sense of permanence versus impermanence. Some of them would be finished paintings, but the, I'd be telling my story and it's not a false story. It's the actual truth of what I'm trying to do. So it's not fake or uh, contrived. It's just what I'm trying to do with my work. So that idea of story, I think, is really valuable and something to think about. The next idea I want to talk to you about is a very key, and it's something that I took from Gary Vaynerchuk, who I mentioned at the beginning, who now teaches people how to market on the internet with content, but does it all for free, doesn't ever charge for any of it. But what he constantly says is document, don't create. And what that means is when you think I have to create content, ooh, that feels like a heavy burden, doesn't it? Especially when you want to be painting. What if you don't ever create content? What if you simply document what you're doing? And think about it. The value that we have to offer people as artists is surely that they that the insight into our process, why we do what we do. People who love art are endlessly fascinated by the people who make art because for many people that seems to be a mystery process. Where on earth do you get your inspiration? How on earth do you come up with the things you come up with? They can't even imagine and they're really fascinated. If you've ever done an open studios or had an exhibition and talked to visitors, you will know this to be true, that so many people are just fascinated when you talk about well, I work in layers and then, or I use a sander to, to scratch back or I like to use this medium for this reason. People could stand and talk to you for hours about that. They're fascinated by it. You do not have to create anything. You just have to document what you're up to. And in itself, that's the story, isn't it? So if I document this series of Ted Hughes paintings and my successes and my struggles and what I'm thinking about, and the landscape that I'm going out into working and why something's worked or why it hasn't, that is adding value to the people who follow me. But document, don't create. So what might that look like? So your blog, you might say to yourself, I'm going to do a weekly post on a Monday and I'm going to show whatever it is that's happening in my studio. And if what's happening in your studio is nothing, and actually you're curled up in the fetal position on the sofa um, because you can't do anything because you're totally stuck and I've been there, then that's what you put in your blog. Today I'm curled up in the fetal position, sobbing while my paintings all sit there. This is part of the process of being an artist. And I know it because I've been here before, but this is where things are at the moment. And then just show pictures. Now, you might document by creating videos. Um, so you might show people where you work. You might show people how you set up your studio. People are fascinated by that. 
you know, a creative space is just inherently interesting to people who are not, who don't view themselves as creative, I should say, because I think everybody has creativity inside them. But people who think they don't are fascinated by people who they think do. So documenting can be showing around your studio. It can be something as simple as look, um, Look at how my paints are. I mean, I'm looking around me as I'm talking to you. I'm doing this recording in my studio. And I'm looking at paints with half-on lids. And I'm thinking, I really need to clean the tops off those and get those lids back on again. My paints are an absolute disaster. I am a really messy painter. That would make an interesting blog post or video just in itself. If you're a very tidy painter then talking about that and why it's important to you to stay tidy and what that means for your work is documenting. Just showing somebody on Instagram a close-up of a painting that you're working on and describing where you are and, and where you're stuck or where you're succeeding is a perfect example of documenting. So you do not have to sit down and think, right, it's blog post time. Let me write something profound, deep, interesting, well-structured, that starts at the beginning and finishes at the end and that will go viral and everyone will love. That's too much to ask. Just document what you're up to. That's all you need to do. Now, before I go any further, I should say, none of what I'm saying to you is a rule. So I'm telling you all this, these things. This is what works for me, but you may find a different way that works for you. My goal is just to it, kind of get you thinking and maybe... Uh, encourage you to think about marketing as something more fun than a chore and encourage you to build up a nice audience of people who are interested in you and what you're up to because we all know this but when you make a connection with a person they are far more likely to buy your art than a stranger so I do sell work to complete strangers but very rarely generally I've either met them in person or more often in my case, I've got they've got to know me online. And that can be just as powerful. I really believe it can. I know other people disagree. But I really believe that the connection you make online with an artist can be as powerful as the one you make in person. All that matters is that there is a connection. Because then people are buying into a piece of you and your creativity when they buy the painting. It has so much more power than a painting that they just see and love and want to own. And if you're not in this to sell paintings, if you're in this just for the enjoyment of painting, it's so much more enjoyable when people see what you're making and they can see what you're making if you share it online. So that if you're just working on your own in your own space and nobody ever sees what you're making, why are you making it? You must want to communicate. You don't have to want to sell. But it would be nice to have a little community of people who were looking forward to hearing from you and seeing the latest painting that you made and who would send you nice comments saying, oh, that's beautiful. I love that one. Um, that's such a great feeling. So this is another reason to do this if you're not somebody who wants to make a living from selling your paintings or even wants to sell any. So I have four more tips for you. Repurpose things. That's a word I used to really not like when people used to talk about repurposing content when I worked in uh, corporate life. But it is something that's important to think about because you can reach so much more people than you think with one thing. So if you've written a blog post, 
you could send that blog post out as a newsletter to subscribers, if you have subscribers on a newsletter list, and I hope you do. Um, you could post it on Facebook. You could take a quote from it and make a graphic, if you know how to do that, and you could put that on Pinterest or Instagram. You could video yourself reading notes about from that blog post and I do this fairly frequently so I write a blog post I pull it up on my computer I sit in front of my computer and then I could go live on Facebook or I could record something for YouTube and I just read out the blog post that I've already written and now that goes to a different set of people who might not be reading my blog might not be on Facebook but they see it on YouTube now, this might you might think, well, this goes against what you said about staying on one platform, and it does. But this is if you want to make more of the content that you've already created, this is one thing you can do. It is not something you have to do, but it can be fun to do. It can be fun to just reuse. I particularly like taking a section of a blog post, turning it into a graphic, and putting it on Instagram and Pinterest. Because once you get in the flow of doing that, it really doesn't take very long and you just you just have you don't have to think about what to put then on Pinterest so repurposing is an option but not mandatory by any stretch of the imagination one thing that is very important though is engaging people in your process so what we often tend to do when we go on social media is to uh, just tell people or same as when we write a blog post. This is like a, it's like the town crier doing an announcement. Here's all my latest news. See ya, bye. And what we really want to do is to engage people in our process because that again builds that connection which is so important for selling art. So that could be as simple as posting your latest painting on Facebook or Instagram and saying, I'm thinking of calling it the sky is blue. Um, what do you think? What would you call this? Or maybe not even suggesting a title, but what would you call this painting? It can be as simple as saying, as posting a painting that's primarily purple and saying, I love purple, it shows up in all my paintings, what's your favourite colour? Anytime you ask a question at the end of your blog post, video, Facebook post, Instagram post, you do two things when people answer you. You give them a little piece of a connection with you, which is really important for building up the relationship. But on social media, you also increase the visibility of your post. So if you post something on Facebook and you ask what's, what's your favorite color and I answer you and I say red, all I had to do was type in red and already some of my friends and followers are going to see your post appear in their feed. So it increases the visibility for you anytime people engage with you. The other, and there's actually a third thing it does on Facebook and Instagram at least, which is that it tells Facebook and Instagram that people like what you're posting because they're engaging with it. And therefore, because they like what you're posting, Facebook will show it to them more often. So if I've answered you and said red, then the next time you post something, Facebook is going to show it to me, whereas it might not have done that before. So if you've had the frustration of posting something on one of those social media platforms and it not reaching 
even a fraction of your followers, it's probably because you're not getting enough engagement with people. Now, I get lots of comments on my posts on social media because I tend to ask questions. Even then, I have on Facebook, I think 10,000 or 10,500 followers on my Facebook page. A good post for me, a really successful post will reach about 3,000 people because I've got a lot of engagement. So you're still not going to reach everybody, but you're going to reach a lot more of them than you did before. So engagement is key. But even aside from all the technical social media stuff, I just think it's so important for people to feel connected to you. And they don't feel connected to you if you're just telling them things rather than asking for something. My next tip is Jab, Jab, Right Hook, which is the title of a Gary Vaynerchuk book, um, which basically means give more than you ask for. So the whole premise of his book was that on social media, it's all about generosity. So that you should not, if you were a company, constantly be posting, look at these new training shoes, uh, they're $59.99 or whatever, come and buy them. You should be giving value to people and then eventually telling them about your training shoes. And how this applies to art is, let's say you have a, month, a newsletter, but the only time you send out your newsletter is when you've got a show coming up or some new paintings for sale. If I'm receiving your newsletter, then... Again, all it is is you talking at me and there's nothing in there for me. If you send me a regular newsletter, let's say once a month, once every two months, and sometimes you don't ask me for anything. Sometimes all you do is share interesting things with me. Maybe pictures of what you're working on, a video about your studio. Um, you know, again, document, don't create. Just a, just a, um, a letter about what you've been thinking about a link to something that you think people might be interested in who subscribe to your newsletter. So maybe it's just a really interesting video you came across on YouTube and you think people will enjoy. But if you give and give and give, then when you ask for something, then when you say, I've got this painting for sale, again, you've built up that connection with people and that feeling that they, uh, they now care about you and they now value hearing from you. And now you've got something that they can buy. So they can even they can now buy a little piece of that. That's so much more powerful. It's a little bit harder with marketing art in this way than it is with, say, if you're a teacher marketing workshops, this is very easy to do. And this is the entire way that I let people know about the courses I teach. By giving people free help and education in things they want to know about, then they will naturally want to come and learn from you when the time is right for you to offer a course to them because they already know that you offer such amazing value. If I got that for free, just imagine what's going to happen when I take the full course. That's what you want people to be feeling. So if you do teach workshops or if you have any kind of product or any kind of service, if you sell coaching to other artists, the more free information and education that you give, the you know, the better. But it's a little bit harder with art because you think, well, what value can I give? And I say that goes back to document, don't create. People find it valuable just to be brought into your world. Think of it a bit like your favorite musician or your favorite actor. And imagine that person set up a website that you could log on to and you could 
go inside their lives with them. You could follow them, so say it's an actor, you could follow them onto film sets and watch them filming. You could follow them into press junkets and watch them being interviewed. You could see their meetings with their agents or their managers. You'd be fascinated by that if you were a big fan. Well, some people are a big fan of you and they want to be brought into that world, into your world. And what you think of as mundane or just the job, they think of as exciting and interesting. So keep that in mind. Give, give, give and ask once in a while. And finally, my last tip is a little bit more controversial, particularly among artists. So my last tip is to have a plan and stick to it. And what I mean by that is, it's a bit like studio time. Have you noticed if you block off studio time in your diary or on your calendar, you are more likely to stick to it. That's my time for the studio. I said I was going to go on Tuesday morning. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it because I promised I would. It doesn't always happen, but it's more likely than if you just have kind of an amorphous, sometime this week I'm going to paint, and before you know it, the week's over and you haven't painted. It's a little bit like that with your content marketing. So what I've done and I found very successful for me is I have a plan. Some people have a really strict content plan, and what that would be is, let's say, I would work out for the next three months on Monday, February, the whatever, I'm going to write a blog post about how I use colour. And on Thursday that week, I'm going to make a video about how I loosen up when I'm feeling stuck. And you do that for three months and you have it all laid out. And on Friday, I'm going to do an Instagram post and I'm going to share a work in progress. I would find that too restrictive because when the day came round, I wouldn't feel maybe like talking about the thing that I said I was going to talk about. Or maybe a question or something would have come up online that inspired me to talk about something different. So I don't do it that rigidly, although that might work for you. But I do find if I leave it completely unplanned, then it often doesn't get done. So what I've done is to set myself a calendar, but it's loose. So I've written a great big long list at the start of the year. I just sat down and spent half a day thinking about topics. And I'll talk in a minute about how to find topics. But I thought about all the things that I could talk about and I wrote a big long list. And that's in a planner that I have. I then planned out, I looked at my calendar and the days I want to paint and the amount of time I'll have left. And I said, right, I can manage a blog post on a Monday. I have the podcast coming out on a Tuesday, so I can't do anything that day. I can manage a video on a Thursday or a Friday. Just a two, two to five minute short video for YouTube and Instagram TV. And I can do those things in the week. So when it comes around to Monday, I know I have to have a post ready for Monday When it comes around to Thursday, I know it's video time. Now, over the last few weeks, I've actually still managed to let that slide because I have been so busy. But I made a conscious decision to not pile that extra pressure on myself. I am going back to that schedule again now because I find it really helpful. So when Monday comes around and it's blog post time, I go look at my long list of ideas. If I don't have something that I want to talk about, I go look at my long list of ideas and I pick something. And then I just do that. But if I'm documenting not creating, 
I really don't have such a problem, do I? Because I can just document whatever's happened. But if it's been a slow week and I'm not doing anything that week, you, then you can go to your list and work out what it is you want to say. So I find that plan really helpful. If you are literally sticking to document, don't create, you could say, okay, Monday, I'm going to do an Instagram post about whatever's on my easel or painting wall. And Thursday, I'm going to do a quick whip round with my iPhone camera around my studio and tell people what's going on. And that's it. And that's your content plan. And you know that on Monday, you have to do that. And Thursday, you have to do that. And the rest of the week, you don't have to do anything else. But as long as you follow these other rules about making it engaging and making it tie in with your story, then and giving more than you ask, then this will be effective for you. I promise. So how do I find ideas for what to write about? So when I'm not documenting, when I'm coming up with other things to talk about, how I find ideas is quite a few different places. So I look on YouTube and I see what the most popular videos by other artists are. That gives me ideas. I look at questions that have been asked or conversations that have been had in groups that I belong to. And that gives me ideas. I think about conversations that I've had with buyers and the questions that they ask me. And that gives me a whole slew of ideas. So if I think back to open studios and I think about the conversations where somebody was asking me all about the sander that she saw on the floor. How do you do the sanding and why do you sand? And um, how do you know, you know, what kind of sandpaper to put on there? Do you put fine sandpaper or do you put heavy sandpaper? And do you ever just sand by hand or do you always use the sander? What's the effect that you're looking to get from doing that? Right, there's a whole blog post there just about somebody saw an orbital sander lying on the floor. And it's enjoyable for me to write that post because I'm interested, you know, I like talking about why I do things. And actually sometimes writing those kind of blog posts or making those kind of videos clarifies things for you as well. Why do I like doing that? And maybe it maybe sometimes spurs some creative thoughts about how you might do it differently in the future. I get a lot of inspiration and ideas from other artists who do this well. So I see the videos and the Instagram posts and the Pinterest boards, whatever it is that they're creating, and look at how they're doing it and pick it apart and then reconstruct it for myself. And one of the ways to do this is to look at the artists who are very successful at what they're doing, who are very good promoters and marketers, who you see all over the place, the people who have big Instagram followings, and then go and spend some time looking through their accounts and seeing what is it that they do? How have they built up this audience? A couple of examples that I can think of off the top of my head. Laura Horn, who is an Australian artist, who will be appearing on the podcast sometime in the next few months. So I'm excited about that. Look at Laura's Instagram account and just look at the way that she engages with people and the way that she shares her process. She has a built an amazing following on Instagram and it's all through generosity and engagement and you will notice that there's a lot of that and then a little bit of selling but it's very well spaced out. 
also look at Nicholas Wilton, who some of you know from appearing on here, and we talked about his CVP program, which is now over for the year. But look at Nicholas. The only thing he does really all year to build up, he now has a big audience, is he does a weekly vlog, which is a video blog, which comes out, I think, on a Sunday. And it's just five minutes of him sharing a tip, something helpful. And he sometimes does Facebook Lives where he films himself painting and chatting. And he posts Instagram posts, but again, very casually, you know, nothing high pressure. And through doing those three things, he's built up this big audience over time. Not only an audience of other artists, but an audience of buyers as well. But the primary place that I get ideas is what's happening in my work and in my life. That's really all I need. There's, there's enough there to generate enough content for the rest of time and all content that will engage and interest the exact people that I want to interest. It's very important for us to remember that we don't need very many people to sell enough work to live on if you're looking to live on. We don't need very many people to give us feedback if you're not looking to sell but you're just looking to build that community of people who are interested in your work. You don't need very many people. What you do need, though, is to find them. They're not going to just... It, looking for you in the world of all the artists that are out there, for them, would be like looking for a needle in a haystack. But if you put yourself in front of them on a regular basis with an interesting story and with a, a, a sense of generosity and engaging them in the process, your buyers will find you and will start to follow you and the sales will start to come. This is, I think, the most amazing time in history to be an artist. I mean, can you imagine if Van Gogh had had Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? I mean, I don't know if he'd have been the kind of guy to use them, but imagine he would not have only sold two paintings while he was alive if he had had the ability to put his work out to a huge audience. We no longer have to rely on gatekeepers. We do not have to look for a gallery to agree to take us and then take 50% of whatever it is that our painting sells for. And by the way, I'm not criticising galleries because if you look into the financial model of running a gallery, they have to take that much to pay for the marketing costs and the staff and the rent of the building and the council tax and everything else that they have to pay. I'm not saying that's bad, but from an artist's perspective, you don't have to make that choice anymore. You have the ability to reach as many people as you want to. You certainly have the ability to reach as many people as you need. And it's just all about putting together a plan and a way of doing that that feels good to you and that feels good to the people that you're talking to. And I hope this conversation has giving you a sense that there might be a little bit of creativity and fun in content marketing and that it might that marketing might not be a dirty word that it might just be another word for telling your story to people who are interested and just like with our art we hope that our paintings add something to the lives of the people who buy them or who look at them. We hope they make people feel a little bit more alive, a little bit more engaged with the world that they live in. 
And in the same way, I think our marketing can do that. I think we can give pe make people's lives just a little bit better by sharing a fun or interesting video or by sharing just some interesting insights into what we're working on or by just share showing a funny video about uh, the messy paint pots in our studio. We can brighten up other people's lives. We can make other people feel more engaged in the creative life that they don't have themselves by sharing our content. We don't have to think of this as a horrible selly selly thing. We can just think of this as a nice, fun, engaging, community building way to live our lives. So I don't pretend that this is a comprehensive guide to internet marketing or content strategy, but I hope that I gave you some things to think about and perhaps a slightly different perspective on marketing. I really wish Alice could have been here. I much more enjoy chatting with her than just sitting here on my own talking into this microphone. But I'm very hopeful that by next week everything will be fixed and that we will have our internet back and that we'll be able to record a normal episode for you. I'm afraid there will be no funny outtakes because I haven't cracked myself up. I tried to tickle myself but it didn't work. So there's no giggling, there's no laughter but there will be again next week, I very much hope. If you want to look at what I'm doing with my own content and as I said I certainly could be better but if you want to have a look at me, you can find me on Instagram at Louise Fletcher Art. You can find me on Facebook as Louise Fletcher Art. You can find me on YouTube, but on YouTube I am This Painting Life. And you can find my blog at my website, louisefletcherart.com. And of course, you can find Alice at alicesheridan.com. You can also find her on Instagram and on Facebook, and she also does a very good job. And if you want to look at the people I was talking about at the beginning, Copy Blogger is the Brian Clark website. Lots of free information there about marketing. Not targeted at artists, but it doesn't really need to be. You can adapt the information for yourself. Seth Godin, just look up Seth on Google, and he'll be the first thing that comes up. He's been writing that blog for so long. His blog is, there's something new on there every day, always thought-provoking. And the final one I'll, I'll point to with a caveat that the language is always blue. Gary Vaynerchuk, or Gary V, if you just type in Gary V-E-E -E into YouTube, you will find endless videos of Gary talking about marketing. One of the things that I think is a really good thing to learn from him is to completely be yourself and be authentic. And one of the things that he is himself about is the fact that he curses all the time. So if you don't like cursing, stay away from Gary Vee. Otherwise, I find him incredibly inspirational and motivating. And even though I've heard everything he's got to say by now, having followed him since about 2005, I think, I've probably heard everything he's got to say, but I still enjoy listening to him. That's it from me. I will see you next week, very hopefully, with Alice Sheridan. Until then, have a happy creative week. Bye.